waiting. We're talking about uh, taking what we have, the substance we've been given, talking about who we are and where we're going. And, uh, man, I, that's the question. Are you going to hoard things, keep hoarding things, or are you going to be trading things? You know, there's a couple of things I really need to make you aware of, and I, I'm, I'm just going to take a real quick time. We're doing a baptismal next week in both services. If you have become a follower of Christ recently, one of your first steps in following Christ is to get baptized. That's just an outward, that's an outward portrayal of things that are already going on, on the inside of you, that you let people know you've aligned yourself with the kingdom of God, that you've accepted the grace of the Savior, and you want to walk in his path. You need to do that. If you've never ever done that, if you may, it may be something God's asking you guys to a greater level of commitment. Some of you, I've heard people get baptized like that before because God's leading them to a new place, and he's asking more of them. And so it's a sign that they're willing to follow. They'll get baptized again. There's nothing wrong with that. But maybe God's doing something about that. Also, Wednesday, we're going to be starting a new series, a uh, video series called Twisting the Truth. And as I looked at that, I thought that's probably fitting since we're going into election season over the next couple of weeks. Um, and so it's, it's a video series that Andy Stanley does. Uh, this week, Jeanette will be facilitating it. And um, so you can show up here Wednesday in, in this room for the next four weeks. We'll, we'll go through uh, that material. Also, um, Hallelujah Night is in the bulletin. Listen to me. It's different. And all of you are like, when is Aaron going to quit changing stuff? Are you a hoarder or a trader? Because our hope is to reach more people. If there are a thousand kids walking around Kingston on Thursday night, wouldn't that be the place to make sure to hear the gospel? Wouldn't it be good to link arms with another church and say, instead of doing what we do at our place, we'll come near where you are, infect the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ and link arms together? Would that be a better thing to do? It's a different thing to do. I understand that. But uh, we need as much help as we can get. Jeanette, Jeanette needs help setting up. We'll need help tearing down. We'll need help everywhere in between doing games. We're, uh, th- th- we're not in charge of candy. That's, that's Mount Pleasant's job, take care of candy, and they're doing tracks. We're going to do games and, and cook hot dogs and just give families uh, a place uh, where they're doing trick-or-treat on, sun- on Thursday night to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you okay with that? That's what I'm okay with. That's cool with me. Jen asked me, what are we going to do about Halloween? I said, I don't care. Reach lost people. That's what I said. I don't care what we do. Let's reach lost people. And so as we talked and conversed, she started calling, making some phone calls, and that's what we've come up with. And so we're going to link arms. We'll try and do that. Um, and also, we have a new home group launching tonight in Waverly. Bill and Jody Whitfield are relaunching as group leaders tonight at their home. Uh, I believe it's 6 o'clock. I don't see Nancy. She's sprung out on me. I think it's 6 o'clock tonight on Columbia Drive in Waverly. Is that right? Um, They've been out of commission for a while because their group uh, lost a host home and they had two twins in the middle of all that. That'd be, that'd be four kids, wouldn't it? That'd be, they had a set of twins in the middle of all that. And so they're relaunching tonight. So if you live in the southern part of Ross County or Pike County or know somebody who, who lives down there, uh, get, we got a place for them to go uh, on Sunday evenings and get plugged into a group. And please, please do that. So with all that being said, listen, we've been talking about the history of the trader. We've been contrasting this pile here with this pile here. And I wanna, I'm going to add something to this pile. Can I do that? Is that all right? Can I add something to it real quick? Because it's a real significant piece of the puzzle. Okay? Right there. We have to, con- con- we have to, this is what we build our lives with. This is not. This is how we become productive in the kingdom. That is not. 
This is how we honor Christ with our lives. That is not. And the real thing we got to consider is, uh, do we really trust God? Patrick started out week one. He, he, he brought to us uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. And in that first three or first, verse 3 or verse 4 right in there, it says that God has given us everything we need. You know why I know what the conflict is with, the, with, with these two piles? Is we don't really believe that. We don't believe that he really has given us everything we need. So this pile keeps growing and growing and growing. When this pile should be the one that streamlines our lives and makes us effective in the kingdom. We really don't trust him. Now those are hard words for some of us to hear. We don't, get the, we don't live up to the potential of godliness because we don't really believe that. We say it here. I mean, we, we think it here and we say it here. But has it really, I want to ask you, has it really sunk down into the core of your being that he has already given you every, everybody say everything, everything you need for life, it says, so all the the material things and to make you what you ought to be for godliness. Are you willing to to trust him that far? Listen, the, 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 the traitor The definition of a trader is this, a person who trades in the pursuit of the American dream for a world that desperately needs Christ. I mean, we talked about the the, the guy with the TVs last week. Do you remember that? Seven TVs trying to move and keep going, willing to give his pastor a 52-inch flat screen that he just didn't have room for. Woo! I think a pair of Buckeye tickets to go see Penn State get beat are better than a 52-inch TV. Anyway, um... You're really supposed to laugh. I talked about that truck I saw last week. The chain was being jerked on. It just happened to my wife yesterday. We're driving down the road. Babe, look at that car. We could even pay cash for that, maybe, because we're trying to do the Dave Ramsey thing. And I thought we'd get off track on the Dave Ramsey thing if we bought that. We're trying... Oh, and she, you could feel the tug. You know what I mean? You feel, do you guys feel the tug? We went, to a, we went to a conference last year called Catalyst. And this year, the thing, I didn't get to go this year. Uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and catch up on YouTube or something and catch the things I missed. But their theme this year was the tension is good. You feel that thing jerk on you and something in you resists and there's tension, that's good. That's good for you. Nope, I'm not going there. Talked about the envelope. Remember the envelope, the little kid who came home and wanted to meet the need of a a friend of theirs? Remember that? Are you a traitor? We talked about the investment banker who gave up a six-figure salary to go minister to inmates so that Matthew 25 would completely be possible. You came to me when I was in prison, and you visited me. Homeless, left California, moved to Houston, Texas. All that stuff. Those are traitors. And we thought, we just saw a whole list of people from the scriptures and from history who have been traitors. The question is, are you going to be one? Because it really, it's an issue of surrender. That's, that's the real issue. That's why the white flag has been placed in this pile. Because we can keep trying to do all this stuff. But until, until we're ready to wave the white flag that Jesus, all I have is yours. All I am is yours. Whatever you want of mine is yours. Until we start waving that and trying to get his attention, 
The rest of life doesn't matter. It doesn't. To surrender means to abandon oneself entirely to a powerful emotion or influence, to give in. When are you going to give in to Christ? You give in to the impulse buy there at the end cap in Walmart. I fell prey to HSN a few weeks ago. Anybody ever done that? Huh? Our video camera went on the blink while we were on vacation. I got some really awesome pictures, video of a moonlight thing over the Gulf of Mexico. Crystal clear. I, was, I got up early one morning. I couldn't sleep. And I got up early one morning and I could see almost like out the back door. I could see like it was light outside. And I walked out to the back and you could hear the ocean. And so I grabbed my regular camera. I grabbed our video camera and I thought, I'm just going to take this part of this home with me, man. Because I don't get this every day. And so I started video. And we get home and we try and convert the video. So I actually watch it, you know. And there's like lines in the video. There's no noise. The, 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 and so I, I, we went shopping. We came up with a little extra cash, and we, we found the, I found a video camera on HSN that was like twice as expensive as the, you know, the, the camera thing. And I was like, I can't believe you're doing that. I succumbed to it too. That's what I'm trying to say. But I'm fighting it. My wife came home after me the pumpkin show on Thursday night, found a pile of stuff in our bedroom. She said, what is that? I said, that's the stuff I'm trading he said, you're serious about this, aren't you? I said, I'm, I'm dead serious about it. I don't want nothing of this life holding me down. I don't want nothing from keeping me from the purposes of God that he has for me. I want nothing. I want, no, I don't want, I want anything. John, John said this. They were trying to get a competition. If you, you, I wrote a little bit on my blog this week. They were trying to get a competition between John the Baptist and Jesus. Jesus, John, some people are following Jesus and some people are trying to follow you and what are we doing? They're trying to create this competition between Jesus and John and John makes these, these, these amazing words. He must increase and I must decrease. See, that's the real question. That's the real problem. We're talking about hoarding and trading. The real question is, am I gonna allow myself to decrease? I'm gonna allow him to increase in my life. I'm not going to be a John the Baptist. I'm going to be a follower of, of Jesus like John the Baptist. Am I going to, because the world's trying to create competition between us and him. The world is trying to get us to buy in to what we want and not to consider what Jesus wants. The world's trying to get us to grab a hold of what, what, what they say are status symbols and, and things and, and, and real life. And Jesus saying, I got real life for you. Let's talk about a couple people real quick. We're going to breeze through this as fast as we can. The sorrow of the hoarder. Matthew 19, you'll find these words. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask him about what is good? Jesus replies, there's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and your mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the man says, I have obeyed all these commandments. And there's still something missing. What else must I do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. You have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
When the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Well, that's not me. I don't have a lot. <laughs> you know why it was a pile of stuff laying in my bedroom on Thursday? Because I was in my bathroom, and we have a closet in our bathroom where our clothes are. I went to walk by, and the door was open, and I looked in there. And just immediately, without any preeminent thought, nothing premeditated, nothing, I looked in there and I went, holy smoke. What is all of that? A couple of days later, I determined I had time I was going to do something about that. And right now today, I'm ashamed of myself. You know why? I found three garbage bag loads of stuff in my closet that I don't need. You know what's even more sad to me? Right now, I told my wife this yesterday, she said, Aaron, you are nuts. You, you are taking this way too far. I, I don't think I'm taking it far enough. Right now in my closet, I have enough shirts in there that if my wife chose not to do laundry for two months, I'd be okay. No, almost two. Counting sweaters and sweatshirts and polo shirts and all that kind of stuff, the stuff you see me wear Sunday morning, right now, today, if I would, if I don't worry about washing any shirts of mine, I could wear a different one for almost the next 60 days. Now, it might look funny because it might be like 32 degrees outside. I'd be wearing like a, like a really thin like polo shirt. You know what I'm saying? But I could do that. That's after, listen to me, that is after I got rid of three trash bag loads of stuff. You, Aaron, and I'm, I'm as frugal as they come. The reason I have all this stuff is because she bought it. And she's laughing because she knows it's the truth. I, it won't be the first time we're walking around, I see someone, around, I go, dude, I really like that, and I'll grab it. We'll walk around with it for about 15 minutes. We don't have to get to the cash out thing. I'm going, okay, I really don't need this. And I walk right back, and I put the thing back on there. I'm like, I don't need that. I don't need that. Why, do I, why am I buying that? Why is this? It's not about the stuff. It's, these clothes don't make any difference. Listen, the hoarder, he was, he, th- th- this rich young ruler, the funny thing is, we know nothing about him except he was rich and he was young. We know not his name. You know what that means? His identity was wrapped up in that. He, he, he had much, but in his much, he found his identity. That's why the sorrow come. He was unwilling to lose himself in Christ to find life. That's why he walks away sad. See, he was religious. He did all the commandments. You see, I did all that stuff. But in his heart, there's something aching on the inside of his chest. Jesus, there's got to be something else. What is it? And when Jesus nails it, it pierces his heart, and he walks away sad because he knows he can't let go of that. I, that's me. I, the bling and all that stuff. That's me. Who else, what will I be if I let go of that? Some of you, that's not about stuff. Some of you, some of, some of us, maybe even me at times, I find I hold on to things that aren't possessions like they're possessions, like emotional hurt. I don't know what life would be like if I didn't hang on to that. Something has distressed me really bad, and I, 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 I hang on to it because, and I get used to living with it. And if I would let go of that, what would life be like then? I don't, I don't know. Some of us, it's the prestige. You know, what, what, what's your identity? Is it your name? You like handing out those business cards? Is it the activities you're involved in? The things you're good at? 
Maybe it's, it's your schedule. You like being busy. Maybe it's the amount of money that's in your checking account. Maybe something, maybe it's the level of stress. You I know people who just like stress. You know that? Huh? And Jesus says, show me, throw over the heavy burdens. And no matter where they go, they like, they like, they like try to find stress. You know what I mean? You know those kind of people? Huh? Like life just ain't good unless something really intense is happening. You know what I'm saying? Maybe for you, I don't know what it might be. Maybe uh, it's the car you drive. Maybe it's the success of your children. And you're wrapped up in that. And you can only be, uh, a, a, you know, you, you can only find that if they're successful, that's, that's going to make your life worth everything. And, and I, it's not bad to be, to be a parent who cares about your kids, but if you get wrapped up and you find your identity in that, uh-oh, maybe it's the car you drive. Maybe it's your home or the location of it. Or the stuff in it? I don't know. I can't answer that question. Consider these thoughts from Matthew 16. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you open up your Bible, you'll probably find that in red print. That means a guy named Jesus said those words. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Think about these words, Paul, a guy was up on that screen a minute ago. He says these words, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but it is Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Woo! Think about that. What about the joy of the trade? You want to see somebody who found great joy by trading what he, who he was? Luke 19. I was going to talk about declaring a chapter 19. Then I realized one, one chapter 19 was really bad. One chapter 19 was really good. We're talking about, you know, stuff. I thought declaring a chapter 19 would be a good thing. So I always, one of you, some of you would still stay on the dark side maybe if I did that. Oh, it's okay because that little rich young guy doing Rachel, uh, uh, Rachel. Rachel wants me to stay there. Um, Jesus, Luke 19, 1, Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. Now, all of a sudden, we know two things about Zacchaeus. We don't, didn't know about the first guy. We know his name, and we know what he did. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. We know how, he didn't even know his stature. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down here. Zacchaeus was a wee little. Anyway, I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. There's joy in the house when Jesus comes to town. When he finds a heart that's ready to surrender, not so much when he finds a house that's a house that's a heart that's resistant. But the people were displeased. Now look at this next line. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. The New Living Translation says. So we know Zacchaeus was a tax collector. We know he was very rich. We know he was very short, and we know. He lived large. He was a notorious sinner. He had a reputation around town, something to live up to. My guess is he was a mobster or something. You know, he pulled up on the Cadillac donkey. You know what I mean? I'm guessing. 
He's probably involved in some frame of organized crime. Everybody saw Zacchaeus coming. He had a lot to live up to. And they grumbled because Jesus was hanging out with this notorious fella. Jesus wasn't worried about his identity, was he? Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responds, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. What's the difference here? We find that this notorious sinner becomes a true disciple. He becomes a true son of Abraham. Why is that? Because a connection with Jesus creates surrender. A true connection, a heartfelt connection to the the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords gives us no other response but to surrender. The problem with most of us is we found a place to surrender at some point in time and we keep trying to take parts of our lives back. Do you do that? Find it easy to give one Sunday, the next Sunday maybe not so much. Find it easy to take time one day, the next day the schedule's still kind of busy and Jesus is kind of nudging and you're like, I can't take time to do, and we keep taking stuff back. My dad used to call that an Indian giver. I watched my daughter do that with my older, my older daughter, that with my younger daughter. He'd all give that to you, but I need it back now. Huh? His identity, he was a rich sinner, a notorious rich sinner, but he made a trade. And in that trade, he was recognized as a true son of Abraham. Why is that significant? Because Abraham did the same thing. He was a guy from Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees, right? He had to trade his son at one point in time. And that's where his identity was going to be found because through that son would come the blessing. And God says, are you willing to trade Isaac, Abraham? Are you willing to do that? Uh, Me, I'd be like, dude, Jesus, you're getting a little bit creepy, okay? Uh, You know, pagans do that. And you're supposed to be like the one true living God. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I think I'm backing out of this equation real quick, okay? I don't know. That'd be me. Maybe not you, but it'd be me. But Abraham was willing to trade. He traded his life in Ur, going somewhere he didn't know where he was going. He traded his son, and God gave him back. He did all that. And so then Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, the notorious sinner, and what does he say? You, you are a true son of Abraham. The guy who kept all the commandments wasn't. Isn't that weird? Jesus is just paradoxical like that, isn't he? He's just like, dude, he's keeping all the commandments. This guy's a notorious sinner. He walks away sorrowful. He walks in joyful and is a true, true disciple, a true son. I try to keep the commandments. I'm not lying. I'm not trying to give away a license here to go out and do anything and everything. You know what I mean? Don't, 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 don't misconstrue me. The issue is the place of surrender of your life. I'll bet that rich young ruler walked around like this because he kept the commandments so well. Think of these words from Jesus in Luke 9. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. In Luke 9, there's a little word that's not always in the rest of the Gospels. Take up your cross daily and follow me. See, I can't pick up this thing today 
on Sunday and wave it and be happy in here if we're worshiping Jesus and then stick it back in the holder come Monday morning and forget that it's there. I can't, I have to live a life daily of surrender to Christ. And if you're like me, you struggle with that some days. If you're like me, you struggle with that a lot of days. And you find that no matter how much of your life you give to Jesus, you still want to give him more and somehow something impedes you from giving him more. Are you like that? With, are, you, are, are anybody with me like that? Wouldn't it be honest like that? That's where I'm at. It's true. So are we going to be the guy who looks to part but is not truly surrendered? Are we going to be the guy who may have his faults and really messed up but really from his heart begins to surrender his life to Christ and walks away as a true son of Abraham, a true son of God? Your stuff will never fill your life till it's satisfying. Your hurt will always be a hurt if you don't allow Jesus to heal it. You will always come up empty. Your schedule can be as full as it needs to be, but your life will lack purpose and direction. Drew, I wasn't going to say this, but I've had a couple of interactions with Drew this week, and they blessed me to pieces. And I don't say that to pump him up, but it's good to acknowledge when people are finding out they can trade certain aspects of their life to Christ and walk out what he wants. Drew was willing to go in early to work one day this week to minister to a coworker who's having a big-time marriage crisis. When I got that text initially, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm getting another marriage counseling situation. Okay, Jesus, let's go with that. And when I, got, when I kept reading the text, it was like, no, tell me what I can say. And you know, I asked my wife. I was sitting at the couch, and I went, cha-ching! You know why? That means Drew is getting it. It's not about me reaching his friends. It's about him learning what he needs to learn to, be, to, to reach his friends. He would trade time at home, get up early, lose sleep, do whatever to go meet this person ahead of time. And Satan's fighting. You guys keep praying. Because all the days of the week, babysitter can't be there. Guess what day it was? Huh? Are y'all with me? And Andrew feels like a nudge from the Holy Spirit to maybe begin to start a Bible study at his job. And says one little thing about it, and next thing you know, another Christian dude whom I know walks up to Drew and is like, hey, dude, I'm with you. Let's walk. Which, again, it's going to be a trading of some things. Maybe not getting home as soon as he'd like to. Maybe, again, getting up earlier than he wants to. Or something like that. And I don't, again, I don't say it's a pump Drew up. This is just an instance where I see somebody who's making a trade for what's convenient and comfortable for his life comparatively to what Christ would want. Do you see what I'm saying? It can be something that simple. That's an area of surrender. Do you hear me? What's God nudging you about? Huh? I was praying this morning, and I saw, I saw my German shepherd. She's got a really cold nose. And she can be really polite, but if she wants something, she knows how to nudge you just enough to get a response. You know what I'm saying? And I saw the Holy Spirit around here this morning going, like, come on, pick up that hand. Let's walk. You know, how my do- you, know how you, you know how your dog does that when you're not paying attention and they kind of usually get one right, like right here. If I'm sitting on a chair outside, I usually get one right here. My hand goes up like this, trying to get my attention. Holy Spirit, I'm trying to get your attention. 
Your choice today is sorrow or joy. That's a, two simple things. You're going to walk away like the rich young ruler, formally doing the right things, but surrendering your heart just isn't quite there. Having all the stuff you think you need, but still coming up empty. I mean, that's the choice. Or you can walk away with joy and walk in with joy because you're walking with Jesus like Zacchaeus. Though you got issues, though you got problems, though all your stuff's not quite together, and, and people see you come and go, oh, crud, holy smoke, ah. But you say, Jesus, I just want to be what you want me to be. Whatever I've done wrong, I want to make right. And however I need to live, I want to live it. I'll give to the poor, I'll do whatever. I'll give half my stuff away right now if you want me to, Jesus. Are you going to be that person? Because Matthew 16 says this, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth eats them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Don't store up this stuff. Store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy, thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. Jesus said don't even worry about everyday life next to the next few verses. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. The Apostle Paul writes somewhere in his epistles, he says these words. I've learned to be content with just having food and clothing. That's sufficient. Dude, that challenges me big time. I mean, I get like right now, read that, and I go, dude, I'm just not there. He says, these things, worrying about these things, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. There's the challenge again. Is he going to give me everything I need? Can I trust him to put his stuff first and not worry about myself and my food and my clothes and my junk and all that stuff? Can I trust him and give it to him so that he can have it? And then my life will be all that it's supposed to be. And I will walk where I need to walk. And his kingdom will be expanding the earth because he's found a life through which to pour himself into, to pour it out of, so other people will find out that he's true and he's real. And he loves them, like Brian talked about a little bit ago. That they matter. That is the question. Will you? Think about these questions. What will you do with what's missing? All of you, all, all, maybe most of you, like me, ask you, Jesus, what else? I've done all that. What else? Something's just still not adding up. My life in Christ, just there's something still not. I lack something, Jesus. What is it? Will you cling to the stuff and remain in sorrow? Will you let go of the stuff to find joy in the kingdom? Will you lose your life to find it? I'm trying to. I'm trying to lose my life big time. I keep, it keeps does it keep getting back up on you like it keeps getting back up on me? I think I've slayed it. And then it raises back up out of the coffin. On Monday, I'm crucified with Christ. On Tuesday, I'm the old guy again. Like Lazarus, I was dead, now I live. Will you hang on to life to ultimately lose, ultimately lose, that should be lose it. It says use it. <laughs> Will you release the now to grab the eternal? See, that's the real question. Remember 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, if you do those things, you make your calling and election sure. You assure yourself a rich welcome in heaven if you hoard this stuff and let that stuff go. I want you to see a video real quick, and we're going to wrap this thing up.
do something, to ask you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. See this bag? It's part of me in here. This is really my stuff. This isn't something I put out of a trash can. This kind of my house. The mission of the church matters. I want my life to be streamlined so that I can be as effective in the kingdom as I can possibly be. But there are no fetters hold me to this earth. I watched a preacher this week who I, 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 I've grown to love dearly since Catalyst last year. And I've listened to his message several times, and I, I come across the thing last, this, this week where he's bald-headed, and next to the thing it says, Matt Chandler on suffering. And find out since I saw him live last year, he's been dealing with a brain tumor. 30-something years old, wife and kids, a whole nine yards. And he says these words on the James Robinson show. I found a clip on YouTube this week after I figured out there was something going on with him. He said, I want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know he can. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to follow him to the end of the road. I believe he will bless me. I believe he'll pour out the kingdom, the windows of heaven on me till I can't contain all of it. I believe he can. I believe he will, but I also believe it may not happen that way because I see a lot of guys in the scriptures who forsook everything and in this life didn't get a whole lot back except for a crucifixion or a beheading or something like that. And that's creepy for me to talk about, but I want to be willing to walk that out. I believe he can. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, I'll sacrifice everything to be what he wants me to be. Are you? So I'm, I'm walking out this door right now. You want to watch me? So there's a bin out here. I told you it would be here. Maybe you probably didn't believe me, but it's here. And I'm putting my stuff in it because it's not going to be my stuff anymore. I'm giving it to Christ so that other people can have something that I don't need and maybe be something that they need. Are you hearing me? I'm not done. I told my wife this week, I said, get ready this week. I'm going to go through some more stuff. I'm going to get rid of some of your stuff. Only because I owe her. Because she got rid of some of my stuff one time, and I missed it dearly. And I've not got her back for that yet. I, I, you know, I, I, let me say this. You need, to, you, need to get rid, you need to unload some stuff, and I don't know what your stuff is. Your stuff might not be clothes. I don't know. Your stuff might be emotional stuff. Your stuff might be a schedule prioritization thing. Your stuff might be, I don't know, something. I don't know what your stuff is. I don't know what my stuff is. I keep finding stuff I haven't given to Jesus yet, you know what I mean? So I got all kinds of stuff. I had my daughter this week. We were talking about hoarders and traders and what we're going to do for Christmas as a family. And my oldest daughter, she's getting into it too. Watch out. We might be like a crazy dynamic duo or something like that. She's like, let's do Christmas early and let's fill as many and take all the money we'd spend on ourselves for Christmas and let's stuff as many shoeboxes as we can. Again, I had one of those moments this week I had with Drew. Cha-ching! Yeah! You get what I'm saying? I had Kim this week come into the office. We do something, we do a special something for, for the staff, the day-to-day staff here at the church every Christmas, and we have a dinner and we, we buy gifts for each other. And Kim said, Kim came in my office this week, Aaron, let's do something significant this week. Let's do something together. Let's make an impact. What are we going to do as a staff for Christmas this year? And again, my heart goes, cha-ching! Now my question to you is, and I'm a little bit behind schedule, so you're gonna have to move quick. 
What are you going to trade? What are you going to unload? What are you going to get rid of so that the gospel of Jesus might be more clearly seen, experienced, and felt through your life? Because it is all that matters. He is all that matters. The place of surrender is the place of life. It is the place of hope. It is the place of joy. It is the place of peace. It is the place where we find that God can use us the most greatly and our lives can be everything they were meant to be. And that does not mean it won't be easy. It does mean it won't be easy. Are you hearing me? Because we've got a world, we've got a devil, and we've got, a, we've got our flesh that would definitely want to fight against us to keep us from being that. So I'm not painting a rosy picture. Everything's going to go great. But I'm going to tell you this. When you get to the end of the day, the end of your life, whenever that comes, listen, you'll be able to go back and look back and go, I, I, my heart is this. I, I, I knelt in the middle of a, of a camper a few weeks ago, and I bawled my eyes out before Jesus, and I said, Jesus, I don't care what happens to me. All I care is when my life is over, you've so consumed it, there's nothing but a pile of ash left there. You have burnt me up. That's where I'm at. I'm crazy. I know it. I don't care. My daughter accused me of that yesterday. Daddy, you're crazy. I said, uh-huh. Do people think we're nuts? I said, pretty much, yeah. Jesus, look across this congregation today, Lord peer into our hearts. And we ask that question like the guy in Matthew 19. What else, Jesus? What else? God, fill in the blank and find a group of people here, Lord Jesus, who will not walk away sorrowful, but will come in with joy at the invitation you've given them, God, to forsake all and follow you. Like Peter, James, and John. Lord Jesus, like Paul, like Abraham, like Gideon, God, like Albert Schweitzer and Corey Tinboom and the others that were we saw briefly. Jesus, look in our hearts. God, I pray, Father, that over the next two weeks, God, as we have that been out there, Lord, I, I know that, just, that that's just a, a physical, just like baptism is a physical representation of what was going on on the inside. Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, we just surrender all sorts of stuff that don't matter to us, really. It's just stuff. We stop worrying about our everyday life, and we'd be so surrendered to you, Jesus, that every, you would be everything to us. Lord, I pray, God, your grace would be with this people. I pray you would be sufficient for them. And I pray, Father, your words of life would beckon them every moment of every day, Lord. And that nudging of the Holy Spirit like the wet nose of a dog would keep after them, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you, God, for this people. Lord, they are a blessing to me. They are a blessing to our family. But Lord Jesus, do something great on the inside of us. Help us to reach more lost people, feed more hungry people, visit more imprisoned people. God, to bring water to those who need it, Lord Jesus, both physically and spiritually, Lord. God, let us be used up completely. Let, let, let the thing that's consumed in this life is not our pocketbook or our wallet, or, but Lord, our very lives are consumed by your power and by your spirit and by your truth, Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we love you. In your great and awesome name, we pray. Amen. Make that place of surrender. If you don't know Christ, listen. That's the first step. Giving your whole self to him. Submitting it all to him. Listen, that bend's going to be there for two more Sundays. It'll be here during the week. You're driving by and you're like, I got to get rid of some stuff. 
We'll get rid of it. And listen, I told you last week, make it usable stuff. Not junk. There's several things in those bags right there that I'm like, dude, I really like that. That, that looks good on me. My wife snickers. There are some things I don't wear very much, and there are some things in there that I, I wear kind of frequently because I think I'm like David. I don't want to offer the Lord anything. It doesn't cost me anything. You understand what I'm saying? Otherwise, it's just lip service like the rich young guy. Go, be the surrendered people of God this week. Follow Jesus wherever he leads and be what he wants you to be. Have a great week. Jealous for me Love's like a hurricane I am a tree Bending beneath The weight of his wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, how he loves us Oh, oh, how he loves us How he loves us Oh.